0: Proverbs 26, verses 13 through 16. We're in this Move series, and I don't know if I could get through this series. I, today was kind of like a teaching, and I was like, Lord, this is um, about moving and excitement, and and uh, this is where I ended up in prayer and feeling like, so this is going to be an interesting study. I hope you can enjoy a little bit of variety here but um, I'll try to teach it the best I can verse 13, the slothful man said, there is a line in the way, a line in the streets, as the door turneth upon its hinges so doth the slothful upon his bed the slothful hideth his hand in his bosom it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth, one translation said he puts his hand in a bowl and it's too much effort to bring it to his mouth that's how lazy this guy is. He's on the couch with his clicker watching, binging Netflix, that's who this guy is. He is, the, he that passeth away, it says, I, I think I skipped a verse, let me see. The sluggard is wiser, verse 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. He that passeth or passeth by and meddleth with strife belongeth not. that belongeth not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Don't want to do that, do you? So I'm going to preach to you for a little while in this series, Move It or Lose It. Turn to your neighbor and tell him my title, Move It or Lose It. So my mom used to say to me whenever she wanted me to get out of the way, move it or lose it. So that's my title today. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the hearing and The power of your word, we ask you to touch our hearts with it in Jesus' name. Benjamin Franklin said, the one who gets good at excuses rarely gets good at anything else. Sometimes we have the best of excuses. We can classify things the way we want to. We can call it however we want to. And sometimes we even make it part of our story. And I wonder what part of your story is more excuses than the story that you should have. Sometimes our stories serve us to make us more comfortable. Sometimes our stories serve us to help us to not feel shame. Sometimes our stories are manipulated and manufactured in some ways to help us not to feel so guilty. But I want you to know that God is a God of truth, and the Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of truth. And so if you encounter God long enough, He will start to touch you in a way that makes you reassess your story. He'll make you look at the places where you might have been not so truthful, or you might have exaggerated, or you might have, as they call when you're evangelizing, elasticated, or there's things and places in your life where you may not necessarily have the best story, and it's not serving you the best, and sometimes God will come along and say, let's change that. It's easier sometimes to be uninvolved and to make excuses and to be involved. And so when I'm dealing with the scripture here, I want you to understand that I'm not here to shame anybody or make anybody feel bad about where they're at in life, but I want you to know that God's story for your life is the best story you will ever have. And if your story doesn't match what his plan is for your life, you're living lesser than you could. Amen? God's story is the best story. And I I grew up in a, in a way that that I knew that I somehow just knew that maybe it was drilled into me by my mother. Um, she would always take us to church. I, I I always found myself going to church a lot, and I, I enjoyed church. We had a good time. Had a good youth group, and and we would go and we would play basketball. One of my favorite things to do was play basketball, and we played at the local gym there, and we would all get together and play. And one one day, I was I was doing really good. I was the three-point specialist. I was shooting pretty good, and, and I was having a good time, and I decided to go into the lane and take the ball up, and there was this big guy. We went up together, kind of got tangled up, and when I came down, I heard a pop loud enough to scare me, and it was loud enough because then the pain immediately set in, and I had tore up my right knee, and I laid on the floor for a good 30 minutes after that because my junior year of basketball was done, all because I went to this youth night, and I was having some fun, but I got I got tangled up with this guy, and $110,000 ended up being in my right knee to reconstruct that knee, it was interesting because when I came out of surgery, I was a little bit drugged, and I I had a response to the anesthesiology, and they lost me on the table because I had a heart murmur, all this stuff happening all at one time, okay, and so then the Lord spared me on the table, but when I was coming out, the the doctor came in after I came off of all the anesthesiology, and, and he said, okay, it's time to move the knee, and I'm like, it's in a lot of pain, it's swollen, it's got braces on it, there's no, no reason to move the knee. We don't need to be moving this knee, this hurts. And he said, no, no, we need to move the knee. And I'm like, well, why? why? And he said, because your muscle in that leg will start atrophying immediately. And the faster we get it moving. So now if you go get a knee replacement, within four hours of the knee replacement, they put you in a traction machine and they start moving the limb automatically. Even though it's painful, they will move the limb because they understand that movement creates healing. And I want you to know that whenever you're dealing with the things of God and you're dealing with a bad story, you're dealing with hurt that came from somebody done to you, not because you chose it, not because God brought it, but because men, will can bring evil in the earth. I want you to know that God will start to move things in your life that still hurt you. In fact, places where you have been wounded and you have pain, God will come to your life and say, it's time to move the knee. It's time to move the place where you don't want to move. It's time for you to change the story and start getting some things changed in your life. And the reason why is because if you don't move, your faith will atrophy. If you don't move, you will not have the faith for the next thing God has for you. So if you don't move it, you lose something in the future. If you don't start making some action or causing some action in your spiritual life, there are some things in your future that need bigger faith than you have right now. And if you begin to move in God and you begin to trust God and you begin to open the Word of God and you begin to get into a devotional life, you begin to build your faith, and that movement builds your future successes. Understand with me that there is not a place in, Bi- in the Bible where it says we just sit down and stay sedentary. It's always about motion and movement. And so the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes 4 and 11, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. What it's saying to us is that There are people that do nothing because of the environments that they're in. There are people that will not move because of external forces. And we read in Scripture how the slothful man, it translates to a couple of different things here in Scripture. I don't know if that's a really politically correct way to call a person, hey, Mr. Slothful. If you translate that, it translates a couple of different ways. One is into a lazy man, and the other one is into a, a sluggard so I don't know if you're the type of person that's always looking for your spirit animal, but I don't think you'd, you'd look for a spirit animal as a sloth. Have you ever been to the zoo and seen a sloth? They're moving so slow. It's almost like they're not moving, right? And that, you wouldn't choose that for your spirit animal. But the other translation is a slug. And a slug is just a snail without a shell, And you know where a slug's been because they leave a trail. Has anybody grossed out yet? So I brought a picture of a snail, and I thought maybe it would inspire you not to be a lazy person. Because this is what the Scripture translates us to. I know it's not politically correct, but the Bible actually says there are people that are like a slug. They move slow, and everywhere they go, there is debris. There's something left behind. And it says, the slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way. And I can go, he said, there's danger. And in these times that this is written, there were lions in Jerusalem, but they weren't, they weren't prevalent. It was rare. It was like going hiking and seeing a mountain lion. More than likely, the mountain lion would see you before you'd see him would disappear. If you ever see a mountain lion in your hiking, you need to run, just so you know. Public announcement. But he said, there's a lion in the street. I'm certain there's a lion in the street. There was no lion in the street. But he creates, because of his laziness, he creates barriers for his motion, barrier for his production, barriers for being a contributor to society. And as the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. It gives a nice understanding in several commentaries that It is a person who has limited motion. Limited, like a mechanism that's only made to swing one one way or the other. He only has limited motion. In other words, a lazy man settles into routines doing the same thing all the time. And this is not just about your personality or how clean your bedroom or living room is or how much you watch Netflix or how much you binge, whatever else you do whenever you're relaxing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that this will move into a spiritual life. If you let this kind of thinking live in your life physically, in your physical life, in the way you do things, it will run riot into your spiritual behavior, and you can become a spiritually lazy person. And that is a person who does not pray, a person who does not read the word, a person that does not consider it a good thing or or a good use of their time to be at the house of God on a Sunday morning. And eventually there becomes these excuses that pile up and they become self-absorbed and they become a me-only kind of person and, and I, I, I fills all their sentences and they have all these excuses and why they can't get involved and why they can't be productive and why they can't be a blessing to others and why they can't serve on teams and why they can't even come midweek to a life group. And they spend all of their time saying, no, I'm just too tired. It's just too much. There's just too many things. And the Bible says that he that does not work cannot eat. I've had people come to me as a pastor say, pastor, I'm just not being fed. And I look at, well, where are you serving? Where are you working? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? If you're not doing anything, probably you're not eating. The chances of you in Scripture, it says, he that doesn't work doesn't eat. That's in the same passage right here. And so doth the slothful upon his bed, and the slothful hideth his hand from his bosom and grieveth him to bring it again. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit. If you address this with a sluggard, if you address this with a lazy person, they are so wise and why they have not chosen to be a, an engaging person. I'm praying today that somebody hears me carefully because I'm not calling anybody out unless the Holy Spirit calls them out. But the Bible said of Daniel that he had the spirit of excellence. And whenever you have the spirit of excellence, what it does for you is it allows you to excel not only in your life, but in your spiritual life. This affects everything. This affects your job. This affects the way you function in relationships, how you interact with people and friends, and how you uh, diminish drama in your life, as well as in the end of this particular passage that I read, the things that you involve yourself in. You don't intermingle or intertangle yourself with the strife of others. When there's an argument going on, you don't get into that argument because the Bible says it's like taking a dog by the ears, It reminds me of the little boy that was sitting on a bench, and there was a big old Rottweiler sitting next to him, and a guy walks up, sitting in front of an ice cream shop. And the guy walks up and says, Oh, big dog, is that your dog? Can I pet him? And the boy says, Sure. And he goes to pet the dog, and the dog just lays into him and rips his sleeve and tears him apart. And he's like, I thought you said that was your dog. I thought you said I could pet him. I said, Yeah, you could pet him, but that's not my dog. That's what you need to do with some people's strife and drama. It's from their mama, okay? It's their deal. Do not intermingle yourself with someone else's argument because it's like grabbing a hold of the ears of a dog that's not yours, and it will bite you. And the Scripture says don't do it, and this is written by the man of wisdom, the Proverbs. So Proverbs likens so many things here to things that you should not do, and I I find myself sometimes having to revisit that understanding that I want a spirit of excellence in my life. When I'm walking out the church and I see something on the floor, a bottle, or something else that someone left, I don't just go, the cleaning crew will get that. I walk over and I pick it up and I throw it away. If there's crumbled crackers at the door of the kid's life because somebody had the snack, I don't go, someone will get that. I try to get a broom and I try to clean it up. You're the pastor, you have other things to do. No, There's a spirit of excellence that needs to be on each one of us that when we see something that needs to be changed, we say, how can I change that? How can I make the difference? And so whenever you have a spirit of excellence, you don't show up at 8.15 whenever you're supposed to be at work at 8.00. Some people that, that come to church and call themselves a the Christians show up at 8.30 when they're supposed to start at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, they're showing up with their muffin in their hand and their coffee. And then they're walking around the office talking to everybody else. And now it's 8.45. And now they sit down at their desk and they surf the internet and they catch up on their emails till 9 o'clock. And now they're actually starting work at 9. And you know what? It may not seem like a very big deal, but that's not a spirit of excellence. A spirit of excellence says I'm going to get there at 745 and I'm going to do all those other things beforehand and I'm going to be in my desk ready to work and give my best to my employer because I am collecting a paycheck and no matter who sees me or whoever's looking on or no matter whether they notice it or not, I'm going to have a spirit of excellence because I do my work as unto the Lord. I wonder what's waiting on you to move. I wonder what's waiting on you to change. I wonder what God wants to do with your life. What promotion is just waiting on you to get a spirit of excellence in your life. What is out there for you that you cannot reach yet because you just need to make a small change in here in your heart and say, God, give me a spirit of excellence. Let me be willing to do it even when I'm tired. Be not weary in well-doing. Scripture says in so many places. In, 1 Thessal- in 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 16, it gives us such Strong understanding. Paul, anybody know who Paul is? The guy who went on all those missionary journeys and we taught about him so well this morning, his spirit life, Brother Reese. And in verse seven, it says that, for yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, or neither did we eat any man's bread that we didn't pay for. He said, but wrought with labor and travail night and day. This is Paul here. He was a missionary. He should have been provided for. The only thing he should have done is preach the gospel. But he said, I wasn't, I didn't want to give an example to you of someone who wasn't a worker. He was a tent maker in profession, he did some other things, but. He said, I, I don't want you to see me as just someone who has my head stuck in the scriptures all day long, but I actually labored and I travailed. I did it night and I did it whenever I had to. Whenever the job said you gotta be there, I was there. He said that we might not be chargeable to any of you or that we might not have an offense of anybody. I wanna read it from a different translation because the NLT says it so well in Thessalonians Second Thessalonians, let me get there real quick. I thought I marked it, but maybe I didn't. Oh, I did. I helped myself. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of the Lord Jesus. Stay away from believers who live idle lives and don't follow the traditions they receive from us. First 7, 4, you know that you ought to imitate us, for we... D- uh, sorry, we were not idle when we were with you. We neither accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. That's what he was saying. So we weren't a burden to any of you because we were ones. we were moving, we were working, we were doing the things of God. And if we weren't preaching, we were providing for ourselves. He said, we didn't expect anybody to provide for us. So we would not be, burdened, be a burden unto you, he said. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us. We certainly had the right to ask you for that. But we wanted to give you an example to follow. I wonder what blessing is waiting on you to become a better example. I wonder what's waiting on us to move. I wonder what we might lose if we don't move. And so, the Scripture says here, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Everybody say, that's bad. They got some gossipers going. It's not so good. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice he's doing, he, he's commanding them to change. He's like, you've got to change. There's something in your life that is waiting on your change. And so he says, we commend such people we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to work to earn their own living. Verse 13, as for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good or never be weary in well doing. And then take note, verse 14, of those who refuse to obey. Take note. Of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter, He's writing it, Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he says, stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Hmm, that's interesting. He says that whenever there are people that will not work or people that are lazy, he says, separate yourself enough. Give yourself a separation from them because laziness wears off. Laziness transfers. Laziness is contagious. Don't think of them as enemies, though. I so said, These are not enemies. They are people that will not work. They're idle tongue. They're talking about others. You know what the funny thing is? The people that are most advanced are people that talk about ideas and not others people that have minds that that want to improve and move into new places. They're not talking about whose drama is going on. They're not talking about what so-and-so said to so-and-so and who cheated on who. They're not talking about people. They're talking about problems and how to solve things and ideas and, and revelation and how to get better and how to evolve in areas and make technological advances. They're talking about concepts and ideas. They're moving into things that you would lose if you stay at a lower level, but I'm praying that somebody receives a spirit of excellence today, and tomorrow, whether you're tired or not, you're on time for work, and tomorrow, whether whether you're fatigued or not, you get up and you read the word of God, and you say, the promise is there. If I will invest, he will give back. If I will reach for God, he will give blessing, and don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that God is a transactional God. I don't mean that you do to get But there are some doors that will not open unless you move. There are some things that will not happen unless we move ourselves. And so, Scripture is dealing with something very powerful here. And he says, I want to jump back to verse 9 because this is something that I want you to hear. This is Paul, a man of prayed miracles, a man of amazing things. And he says, He said, we work night and day. And then he goes, we certainly had a right to ask for food. But in verse verse 9 in the King James, it says, not because we have not power. He said, it's not because we don't have power and authority of God. It's not because we're not walking with God. But we do this for an example to all that follow us. And so the church may gather from one Sunday to the next, but I want you to understand that though God's grace is on us, we need examples in the house of God of people that walk and work and live and come to and come. Oh, I want to preach this. So, and come to church tired because they've been working all week, and like me, where we were building this church, and I had to work overnight, and I would come home and shower and put a suit on and come here and pray and preach and believe God and hope for the best and believe God for new saints to give their lives and hearts to God. Why? Because there are some examples that just have to show up at the house of God. If we don't move, we may lose some things. You may, now may the Lord, then look, look at this. He, he says there's power in this and I command you to work and if you don't work, you don't eat. In verse 10, and then he goes on down to verse number 16. Help me, tech team, to jump there. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at a time, at, at all times and in every situation. And then he says what we're talking about in this series, that we need a move of God more than anything else. We need a move of God. Have you ever met one of those crazy people that experienced a move of God and that's all they want is just a move of God? I happen to be one of those crazy people that have experienced a move of God. And whenever you come to church, there is nothing more powerful than whenever God sweeps in. And he says, the Lord be with you. He said, until you deal with some things in the church, there is a level of God's presence that may not open to you. He said, until you, you, you deal with some of the examples, he said, sure, grace is upon you. And then in verse 17, he says, okay, let me have the pen. Because there are times in many places in Scripture where Paul wrote through a scribe. He couldn't write because of whatever what, whatever's going on. Either it was something with his hands or something with his eyes. But the Bible said that he had a thorn in his flesh. And he lobbied God three different times. Please take this away from me. Please take this away from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Strength is made perfect in weakness. And what God was saying was, My strength works best in emptiness. My strength works best in places of wounds and hurt. My strength works best in your weakness. When God's raw power meets your weakness, it finds its own perfection. That's what He's saying. That God Almighty has so much authority and so much power that when you move toward Him, His grace reaches for you and when his grace reaches you he starts to open doors that you could not open on your own and when he does that you see the mighty hand of God upon your life and this blessing that he gives is that the Lord will be with you always well I don't know what my next step is pastor well start stepping on some movable doors start trying everything you can try because as you make your plans the Lord will direct your path he will make doors open and stay closed that will direct your path don't just sit there and say I'm waiting on the Lord make your resume better do whatever you gotta do but get moving or you might lose it there's a place in God where he wants motion he wants you moving and so then Paul writes in the end of Thessalonians here he said may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all he knows what that sentence means because he's been struggling can't even write his own books anymore he's having the scribe write them but he said I do this with my own letters to prove they are from me I write, and he wrote in big letters. That's why it's in all caps in King James. He says, I'm greeting you with my own handwriting, saying, deal with these things in the church, because if you don't move... You might lose some things in God. There are some things that God wants to do in your life, brothers and sisters. He wants to put big grace on your life. He does. And we were talking about that in Exodus 40 last week where it talks about the cloud covers. But I want you to know that there is, even in that covering, there is action that God wants you to take. And so you have to start moving. And as much as I didn't like it, I began to move my knee after the doctor said, hey, start moving it. And I started going to rehabilitation. I called it my daily dose of torture. But as I was going to rehabilitation, I didn't realize but there was an opportunity that would come up where I'd need to use that. And it actually brought me closer to God because I started running mountain marathons on that same knee. But it wasn't because I feel like it was so well put back together because I went to a Alaska State camp meeting, and my sister was drifting from God at the time, and I walked in on crutches. I couldn't put weight on that right leg, and I walked in on crutches, and I was sitting there, and I was like, Lord, my sister's here. She's back from Texas. You could, do a, you could move in her life. You could touch her, and the Lord said, if you'll go pray for her, I'll do something for her, and I'm like, well, Lord, the crutches are over there under the pew, and I'm here, and I can't put weight on this leg. I started the excuses, and I thought, if I don't move in this moment, I will lose this moment with God. And so I stood up, and as I was waiting for the pain, and I was waiting for the inability to put weight on that leg and to hop over there, I stepped out, and that leg took strength. I don't know how it took strength. I felt warmth go all the way down my leg. And it's emotional to me right now because I went over there and I prayed for my sister. And my sister is in Arkansas saved to this day. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. She came back to the Lord. But when I left that prayer moment, she was praying in tongues, she was praying to God, she was opening her heart to God, she was crying. She was giving her life back to God in that moment and after I got done praying, I didn't just stay there. I didn't just move to pray for her. I walked down to the front and I began to dance and pray right over here at the front of an Alaskan State Camp meeting and I never used those crutches. In fact, I don't even know if we remembered to get the crutches from underneath the pew when we left. And after that, I went right running on that leg, and I ran multiple mountain marathons over multiple mountains, thousands of feet high, and never had a problem with that knee. In fact, going to man-ups, different man-up adventures where we climbed other mountains like Harney Peak in, my, in in Wyoming, this knee started hurting, and this one is the one that's supposed to be the problem. Why? Because God touched me. When I was dancing in that corner, there was just electricity flowing all over me, and I knew that I had obeyed the voice of God, that if I moved, I wouldn't lose the moment, and I'm wondering what God wants to do in your life if you don't lose this moment because you choose to move. I don't want to lose revival, so I will move to be a better example in the faith so that God can use me in ways that he wants to use me. There is a move of God that is attached to our move. There is a move of God that's attached to what we do And we have to understand that even though we have a higher cloud, we have a higher Holy Ghost, we have a higher representation of God in Exodus that we talked about last week. And even though God did gather us under his wings at the cross, there are some things we must do. Amen. If someone would move, if someone would say, I'll be the example. I'll be the one that stands up. I'll be the one that picks up the paper in the parking lot when nobody else will. I'll be the one that shows up early even though no one pays me more for it, but I will go ahead and do that on my job. I'll be the one that stays a little bit late and won't complain to the boss. I'm the one that will have a spirit of excellence. God will open a door and you will not lose the beautiful things that God has for you. If you say I will do it, God will make a way. This church was bent on going to heaven. In Thessalonians, they were all about going to heaven. And I'm wrapping up. And he said, don't sit around waiting on the Lord to come. Have you ever met those people? Well, Jesus is coming. I'll just rack up my credit cards and let the Antichrist pay for it. <laughs> Have you ever met those people? Like They don't, they don't make much sense. My grandfather stopped, preached every Sunday, somewhere in a sermon, that the Lord was coming back. But he needed a retirement plan. You know, you need to, be, you need to have some sort of understanding that even though the Lord may be coming tomorrow, we have to plan for, with a spirit of excellence for the things that are coming. So I pray today that you leave here knowing that you are meant for more, but it's, it's waiting on a move from you. Amen? Do you receive that today? Amen. God bless you. Let's stand. I know we're um, dealing with some different news about what's going on with COVID. I want us to be careful uh, today and um, use caution. So as we finish today, we're going to take a moment of prayer. If you want to pray, that's fine. Um, Try to keep social distance as you exit. But next week, hopefully the numbers will come back down that we're hearing. And we'll be back in a better place. If you wear your mask, we appreciate that. I'm so sorry that I have to ask that. But we have to use caution. Amen, somebody? We have to use abundance of caution right now. We don't want to be someone who doesn't move properly. If you don't move, we might lose some things. Amen? I just love that word that Paul ends with. And I want to end with that today. I want to end with that verse, that last verse. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace. That's what I'm praying over you today. The Lord of peace himself give you peace. Always, by all means, he's able to do it, amen? By all means, because he's an almighty God. And the Lord be with you all. Jesus, we thank you for this word. We ask you that you impart someone a strength, impart to someone a strength and a courage to stop getting intermingled with what's going on at the at the work water cooler and the drama and help them to move help them to move into a place where they have a spirit of excellence about them where they do things not because others are looking but they do things because their work is as unto the lord the scripture says and everything they do maybe somebody will leave here and go home and clean out their car Maybe someone will go home and they'll, they'll clean up their house or they'll pick up things or they'll start to make the places around them more excellent because they have in them a spirit of excellence. And that spirit is your spirit, Jesus. I pray you give us the Holy Ghost in this house so strong that every tabernacle that came in here leaves with a powerful spirit of excellence, that they do things better. They look for the best ways to do things. They look for the right ways to do things. They look for the holy way to do things. That you bring conviction to somebody's heart today. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. You're going to go with the spirit of excellence today. Say amen. I pray God does that in your life. I pray God does that in your life. And watch the doors that open. Watch the doors that open that you would have missed unless you done, you've done it with the spirit of excellence. Doors will open. Amen. Let's sing this song with Tanya as she leads us in worship on the way out. You're dismissed to go or pray. Whichever you feel comfortable with, there's no judgment today. But we want you to take a moment with the Lord if you want to. God bless you.